Good morning, brothers and sisters. As we've been learning through the book of Philippians, particularly as we learned through uh, Pastor Gerardo last week, we serve a God of peace, and God gives peace, and we have to be at peace. Worries are always going to be there, right? Because this isn't heaven yet, right, brothers? So we're going to be having issues, and we have to deal with them. All I ask right now is that my sweet Lord may be with me, that he may guide me with the Spirit, and that I may be able to deliver to you guys, hopefully, a good word. That as I've been blessed, that it may be able to bless you. Let's go ahead and turn to our Lord in prayer. Blessed Father, we ask you to be with us, to give us indeed, Father, your wonderful word. For that is what we feed upon, Lord. We feed upon your knowledge, upon your goodness. You made us in your image, Father. And what we want to do is be your children. We want to take after you, Father. We want to be like your son, in whom you are always pleased, Lord. I pray that indeed, as this message is titled, Lord, we want to seek all those things that are excellent and praiseworthy. And today that we learn, we may learn a bit about this, Lord, so that we may be able to put it into our lives and be able to receive that good fruit, Father, that you seek from us. So bless this word, and may we indeed meditate upon you. For we ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. So we were looking at uh, Philippians 4, and the book of Philippians is actually a book that has a lot of uh, examples of people that are actually uh, good servants unto the Lord. That We, we learn about Epaphroditus and uh, uh, Eutychius, and I can't remember some of the other servants that, that were there. But we're learning, you know, that all of us that are servants, you know, we have a place in the church, and that we're also called to do what is good. So today we're going to actually be reading through verses 8 through 9. And I'd like you to go ahead and stand as we read uh, this portion of scripture in Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Reading as follows. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. You may be seated. So as you yourselves know, brothers, we're living in very tumultuous times today. The world is always in trouble, right? There's always problems. That's the way of history. But we do have times that are of peace, and we have times in which we have much chaos. And today, it seems like we're living in those days where there's a lot of chaos going on. But one of the things that we have that's of particular uh, concern is the fact that we're having a movement to silence people because of the things that they believe and the things that they are expressing. And one of the things as Christians, as we talked about, is we want to be a people that is honorable, that are honorable people. So obviously we want our speech to be elevated. And so we don't want to condone those things that are evil or those things that bring down. But at the same time, we have to be a sober thinking people. And God has called us to make judgments. So if we are to make judgments, that means that sometimes we're going to be saying things that are going to be hard for people. But we're living in an age in which we are being told that the things that we are saying, because they are hard to those people, and it brings offense to those people, that we should not have a platform to do that. And that's a very hard thing to have to deal with. As you know, 
we've had the situation with COVID, which obviously brought a lot of uh, difficulties. And we understand that one of the things that we obviously want to do is we do want to preserve life. But at the same time, we do have a life that we have to live. And particularly as Christians, we have to look at the life that we live in the Spirit of God. And one of the issues that I had is that, you know, I did have people who took issue of the fact when they were finding out that we were meeting for church and that I was attending church and saying that, did I not have a concern to preserve life? You know, and did I also not have a concern that, you know, the Bible does speak that we should be following the law? And I said, the two points that you're making are good points. But the problem is that everything has a context and the Bible itself speaks to that. When... When Peter and the other apostles were brought before the Sanhedrin in the book of Acts, what did that Sanhedrin do? It told them that they were supposed to stop preaching in the name of this Jesus Christ, right? And he acknowledged himself along with the apostles that they acknowledged their authority. But the first authority that we have to acknowledge is the authority of God. And if we're going to follow God, that means that we cannot stop that. So for those of us who are here, why are we living, brothers? We're living for Christ. We have lives that we are living, right? We have people that we love. We have aspirations in this wonderful life that God has given us because regardless of the troubles and the sin and, and all the bad things that are in the world, there's also a lot of good, brothers. And we have to be thankful to God for that. But at the, at the end of the day, where are we citizens from? Heaven. We're citizens of heaven. So for citizens of heaven... That means that our mind has to be first up there. It's got to be mindful on, on the things of God. And so for me, my answer to that person is, look, if I make, make the uh, effort and the sacrifice to go out to work, in which I could be putting my life in danger, why am I not going to do it to serve God? If that's actually priority number one. I'd rather lose my job before actually giving up my Lord. And so that's the, the, the thing that we have to take consideration these days. That when it comes to having communion with God, we want to be able to continue to be steadfast in that. And that's why we've been diligent to come and get together. And no authority on earth has that ability to take that away from us because that authority and that right that we have comes from who? From God himself. So having considered that, one of the things that I like about this text is that we talk a lot about what is good. And we know that Christians are supposed to do Things that are good, right? And we talk a lot about the good. And I think most people know what's good, right? Kindness, respect, charity. These are things that people know that are good. But the question is, how much are we really pursuing that? And how much of that is really the world pursuing that? And what I like about this text is that this text is actually giving us specifics to the things that we are supposed to look to. It's not just, it's not just Paul saying, oh, just look for those things that are good good and excellent, and going on. He actually gives us an example of those things. So as we read in uh, verse 8, it speaks about those things that are honorable, the things that are just, the things that are pure, the things that are lovely, the things that are commendable, and all those things being excellent and praiseworthy. That's why I've titled this sermon Excellence and Praiseworthy, because that's the things that we are supposed to be pursuing. So as we begin to look at verse 8 and its elements, I'd like to begin with the first one, which is the element of, what, of that which is true or truth. So if we look at John 17, 
John 17 verse 16 states to us, they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true, as you had sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So the first thing that we're looking at is that what is our commitment first? To truth, right? Because what did Jesus say of himself? That he is the truth, right? So if God is a God of truth, then those are the things that we are supposed to be pursuing. And we live in an age where we are actually being told lies as being truth. And so if we have to challenge that, brothers, in good conscience, do it. Because if we are to stand by the Lord, we have to stand by what is true. Why? Because we are not of this world. And we know that the Bible itself speaks that the way of the world is not the way of God. As a matter of fact, it says that if you love the world, you are actually against God. You do not love the Father. You do not love Christ. Because the way of the world is actually antithetical to what God wants. So we want to encourage one another in being able to pursue those things that are true. Going on, we have that which is honorable, right? So if we look at 2 Corinthians 8, verse 21 says, For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. So this is a very important text because when we speak about those things that are honorable, we are obviously, first and foremost, to do those things to God. In everything that we do, we do those things to God. When we, honor, when we honor our mother and our father, we are not only doing it to our mother and our father, we're doing it unto God, right? Excuse me. And when we honor, when we honor you know, the, uh, the authorities, when we honor our bosses, that is also something that we are doing in, in the sight of God, because it is the Lord who has called us and who actually, uh, Scripture tells us, He has ordained who has ordained uh, these things. But the thing is that the things that we do, we do not only do them to God, we also want to have an honorable position among men. So one of the things that we want to be able to do is that we want to be good representatives of Christ. And so that means that we have to be denying ourselves. Because many times, when, when, we, desire, when we desire things in this world, we're thinking of who? We think of ourselves, right? We're thinking of the passions, of the hopes that we have in the world. A lot of times we have a job. I mean, who doesn't want a good-paying job, right? We're very quick to look at that. But sometimes we don't consider, for instance, how do we honor our bosses or the company that we work for? In this day and age, I, I find that you know people tend to be very selfish in the way that they think about these things. They look only to what they want, and they're not thinking about you know their companies themselves. If you're to be an honorable person, you shouldn't just seek your own. Right, your own, uh, your own goodness, but also the goodness of others, because after all, you know it is, it is. Even though you know it's a, it's a two-way, uh, a two-way transaction when when you're doing business, it's still a privilege, right? If the company that you're working for or the boss that you're working for, he, he doesn't have to have you there. You know, he can get others to do it. But if you're able to build a good relationship there, and you become a, a good asset to that company, that's actually something that is honorable and that is one of the ways that we can be honorable to God and to men because one of the things that we got to remember too is that what's the golden rule to do unto others as we would like done unto ourselves so if I for instance for the company that I work for I want to do a good job not only because I want to be able to have them recognize me but because I want to see that the company will be good 
And a lot of times we don't think about that. There's a lot of people who, you know, we have, when you have a sloppy worker, they don't, they don't bother to deal with that person or make a comment because, you know, we're all thinking about themselves. But we're, we actually should be a teamwork, much like in the church, right? How is the church to be excellent? The church will be excellent if everyone in the church is excellent. But if we have bad apples and we're letting the bad apples get away, it's going to ruin the good work that we're doing. So we want to keep those things in mind, that when we're to be honorable, it's not only to God, but also in the sight of men, and to do those things that are evident, that you are indeed a, a vessel of honor. Going on, we want to seek those things that are just, because we know that God is a God of justice. Let us look to Luke 11. This is a really good passage in which uh, Jesus actually has an exchange with the Pharisees. Verse 42, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you have to have done without neglecting the others. If you notice here, uh, the, the, one of the big issues with the uh, Pharisees is that, they, is that they were very outwardly pious, right? And they were men who were seeking to be honorable people as well, but what did they want? They wanted honor to themselves. You know, one of the things that the text says that when I was younger, or for, for many years, actually puzzled me, was that, you know, when Jesus would speak about the Pharisees, it says, you know, they seek, you know, the, uh, the praise of the crowd and, and you know, and, and, the, and, the, and the being in the high places and the special places. And, it said, and he said, they have received the reward. And I used to, that used to puzzle me because I thought when he was talking about reward, he was talking about punishment, right? Because that's one of the ways, for instance, that the scripture speaks about that, right? That when the Lord comes, he will pay each one accordingly and he will give them the reward. But what he's actually talking about there is that, they're not doing what God wants. Their reward is serving themselves, giving honor unto themselves. So that's why they have received the reward. So on earth, they received what they desired. But when they stand before the Lord, what reward will they receive there? And they were people who were not practicing justice. As people of God, we have to be practicing what is just. That means that, brothers and sisters, we have to obey the law. It's important that we obey the law because to obey the law is to be just. Is not God a God of a law? What, what did he give to Moses? He gave us his law, right? And it's according to that law which God judges. And so considering these things, we have to be a people that should be just. So let us not be lax in these things. Now, I will say that uh, there is such a thing that the uh, states... Or, uh, you know, or kings can put uh, laws that are unjust. And, and that is an issue, obviously, to consider. And there's a time and a place for that. But for the most part, I think most of us are able to keep the law. And we should diligently seek to do that. Because if we are to be a people of God, we are to be reflecting his character. And the character of God is justice. And so we have to be a just people. Continuing, we're now looking at whatever is pure. Look at, let's look at Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. It states, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. So here we see that we want to have hearts that are pure. A pure heart means that we want to be having a heart that is being cleansed continually, brothers, from sin. 
And why do I say that? Because we are people that are still dealing with sin. But when we make judgments, when we do our conduct, we are to do it in a way that is consistent with the holiness of God. The holiness of God is pure. And this is why this is such a wonderful text because it's speaking about who will have that privilege to be in the hill of God. Who can be in his holy place but he who is of a pure heart. And to have a pure heart is something that we are to practice, but we got to remember, brothers, that this is something that we depend upon from the Lord. We have to seek the Lord to purify our hearts because the God who saves us is a God who is able to do all these things. So in whatever you are doing, brothers, seek to do that which purifies the heart. If you are dealing with anything, then brothers, take it first to the Lord. And if, you're st- and if you're still having a hardship in terms of that, you can't just deal with it with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that's why we have a church. That's why we have brothers and sisters. Come to us. For many of the sins that men have, many of us have probably already experienced. And so that's one of the things that God wants, is for us to be of service to others. And many of the things that says actually that we go through the trials is so that we in fact could be there for others. So we want to be able to purify our hearts, in turning to the Lord and looking to others to be able to help us in our sanctification. Going forward, we have those things which are lovely. Let us look at 1 Corinthians. It's going to be chapter 12, last verse 31, and then it kind of gets into the next uh, chapter, which is chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, but, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, And I will show you still a more excellent way. But if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but uh, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So what are we seeing here? That we could be doing all kinds of things that may even seem sacrificial. But if the love for if the love of God and the love for the person is not there, which is a reflection of what? Of the of the commandments, right? When Jesus was asked them what is what is the uh, what is uh, you know the, the greatest of the commandments, the first commandment is to love God, and the second one is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so, in doing this, in loving your neighbor, in loving God, it actually makes it easy, doesn't it? Because if you have hatred in your heart, how motivated are you going to be to do good to your neighbor? You're not going to have any motivation. So what God wants is for us to have the proper motivation because it is that which gives purpose to the things that we do. And this is an, a very important text because notice at the beginning it says to earnestly desire that which is higher, the higher gifts. And the ability to love is actually the highest of the gifts that we can have. And, and, it is, and it is a gift that God has to give us because, brothers, I, hate, I would love to tell you that I love everybody, but it's not so easy to do that, right? There are some people that are hard to love, but by the grace of God, you know, I'm able to do it. And so to be able to have that love that God wants, Look to your Lord. Look to your Lord. Look to Christ, from whom we are receiving salvation and all our wonderful graces. 
And finally, it says that these things are excellent and praiseworthy. And it says to think about these things. When it speaks of, of uh, thinking about these things, it has a connotation, I believe, in the Greek. I don't, I don't have the word with me, but I was, when, I, when I was studying this, I, I did see the commentary. But it speaks on meditation. When the connotation of meditation involves being focused, right? In other words, being immersed in this particular thing. And so these things that we just talked about, these are the things that we want to be focusing on. Those things which are considered excellent, and praiseworthy because if we focus on these things then it brings that good fruit that God is desiring from us and in this world as we've said as one of the things that we read in the, in the scriptures is that in the end in the end days you know that the love of many will grow cold and as that is occurring brothers what a more excellent way to show the love of God than to show the goodness and the warmth of God and that, so when we do all these things, we are actually showing the excellence of Christ, of God. One of the things that I find very interesting is that when, um, in the book of Exodus, I don't have the quote, I wish I had the quote because this just kind of came to mind, but one of the things that God tells the people is that he's given them this law and that they are to practice it so that all the nations, when they come across them, will say, wow, what a wonderful law this is. And because that law reflects God, then they will see what a wonderful God that they have. Well, that principle, brothers, still applies to us. Because who were the Israelites? They were the people of God. Right? What is the church? The people of God. So that same concept is still to be there with us. We are supposed to be a reflection of, of what is great. So when things are dark in this world, when things are evil... Because one of the things that I can definitely tell you right now that I see in the world is that the world is not merciful. The way people are being treated right now, there's no mercy. I mean, they're going back 10 years to try to get people on things that they said over things that were not even illegal 10 years ago, right? So there's no mercy there. But the wonderful thing is that we do serve a God who is merciful and who is loving. And abiding in Him, we will be able to do these things and we will be able to be seen in the sight of men as the planting of the Lord, as Isaiah 61 says, that we are supposed to be. Let us continue now to verse 9. It states, in, in, this is in Philippians, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is a interesting statement in light of the fact that we know that Paul you know, or Paul, particularly as Saul, was not exactly the best example of this, right? He was actually the, he actually calls himself the greatest of sinners because he pursued the church, right? And he actually killed many in the church. But yet we see that because he was called by God and because God called him unto his own purposes and he bore fruit in the Lord, he is yet calling us to follow his example, you know? So, this is actually a, a wonderful thing for us because of the fact that we know that we struggle in, these, in this life. Some of us have some probably pretty uh, strong testimonies of, of, the, of our issues that we've had with sin. And yet what this text is showing us, brother, is that there is hope that we could still be vessels of honor. We could still be 
a good reflection to the world through the changing of the heart, through the changing that God brings through, through us. And this is the thing that we want to show the world, is that we want to show the world that God is real. And when I say you want to show it, brother, I don't mean it in vain. Because if, you are, or if you're a member of, of, of Christ, and you are being uh, worked in the heart uh, by God, you yourselves know this. Each one of you here has a testimony of the great work that God does in your lives. So what we want to do is we want to be able to show that. Because we know that the world doesn't believe, right? As a matter of fact, it mocks our testimony. So the question is, how do you show that your testimony is true? The way you show the testimony is true is to consistency. you got to have consistency. And we got to follow good examples. Paul is using himself here as an example. But I'd like to look at 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1 and 2, which actually tells us where, he, where his example comes from, right? Which it says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. So we see here that the source of Paul is who? Christ himself, the Lord. And the reason we, that we are called Christians, as it was first given to the believers in Acts, is because we are those who are imitators of Christ. We are supposed to be, in essence, little Christs. You know? And in that way in which Paul is a little Christ, we are also to be little Christs. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to look at the excellent example which is given to us in the Word of God of how Jesus conducted himself and the things that he taught because these are the things that we want to med meditate upon. As we were talking about, we want to meditate on those things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Well, there's no one more excellent and praiseworthy than Jesus Christ himself. And the testimony that we have is a wonderful testimony of that. So we want to be able to le lead lives that reflect that excellency of Christ. Finishing up, I'd like to take a look at two applications from these texts. The first one being that we are to live a life that is uh, mindful. Mindful of the things that we are pursuing in the Lord. Mindful in the way that we are living. Mindful in how we are guarding our hearts. That we are doing things according to how God desires. I'd like us to take a look at Galatians 6, verse 9 through 10. It says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. So the encouragement that we need to have, brothers, is that we must never, never grow weary of doing those things that are good. And why is this important? Because as we're living our lives, we, we are trying to do what is good. We're working to do what is good. But it's not always going to be good. Right? We're going to have difficulties. And sadly, the, the, biggest, uh, the biggest and saddest part of that is that we ourselves are going to be failing. You know? But the thing is that even though we fail, don't grow weary. Maintain the road. Maintain the road that you're walking. Because we are seeking to go toward where? Toward heaven. And if we're seeking to go toward heaven, then let your sight be upward. 
the righteous man falls how many times? Right? And the implication being that as he falls, he also rises. And that's what we want to keep in consideration. So be diligent in your walk in pursuing those things that are good. Don't think that because you failed in certain areas or at certain times that that's somehow a reflection that you are no longer you know, worthy of doing it because if it has to do in and of ourselves, brother, then we already know where the worthiness comes from there. Right? Who, who's going to enter heaven through his own worthiness? Zero. No one. Right? So since we know that it is by the grace of God that we are able to do this, then continue in that. Continue seeking the Lord. Ask for His forgiveness. And ask Him for His working in you, for His blessing. For His blessings is, it, is, is in the way that we are able to achieve these things. The second application is to remember that you are to be God's work, so you are to bear His fruit. Right? So John, John 15, verse 5 states, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Right? So that's actually a good reminder. And it's actually a good comfort, brothers. Because that means that your entrance into heaven is not going to be based on your diligence. But in the fact whether you are abiding in the branch. And if you're abiding in the branch, that means that you are seeking the Lord. That you're loving the Lord. If you have a love for something, think about that, brothers. Think of the things that you have a love for in this world. Does anybody have to tell you to do it? No, it naturally comes out, right? So that's what we want. We want God to give us that heart so that we can naturally be continuing to pursue Him, to do those things that He desires. Your pursuit, brothers, is to actually please Christ, to please God. He's a father, and you are a child. There's a reason why he's called a father. It's not merely because, you know, he takes care of you and gives you good things, but because you are a son, if you're a daughter, he also chastises you. And the chastisements, brother, do not receive it, do not receive it wrongly, but actually you receive it lovingly. Especially for those of you that are here that are parents, and I hope that if the children are listening, they can understand that, right? That the things that that are done by the parents, the punishments, you know, and the chastisements. It's not done for bad, right? It's not because your dad hates you and he wants to crush you and destroy you, (laughs) right? But he wants to actually build you up. But he's got to get you to uh, have you understand that. And sometimes, you know, it's got to be done the hard way. And so that's one of the wonderful things that we see is that a lot of times in our lives, that's going to be the same reflection in the things that we're going to be uh, seeing in our lives or experiencing in our lives. It's not going to always be easy. We're going to experience a lot of hard things. I for sure know that from experience, but uh, because of the fact that I know God's word, I know that God is working those things that are good, right? As Romans 8.28 says, right? All things work for good to those who love God, right? It doesn't say all things will be good for those who love God, right? But all things work for good to those who love God. Let us turn in prayer, brothers. Gracious Lord, we just ask you to give us, first and foremost, a heart for yourself, a diligence, give us perseverance, so that by doing these things, Father, first and foremost, we will be blessed. Because when you gave your law, 
to Moses and to the people of Israel, that's what you told them, Lord. You told them that if they would be diligent to seek your law and to do it, that there would be blessing. And not merely that there would be blessing, but that it would be a blessing beyond measure. If we reflect on our lives, Lord, if we are to really look at ourselves as who we are and the good things that you do, we have been given far more than we deserve. And at the same time, Lord, you have said that if we don't follow your law, as in the case of Israel, that great consequences would come, even the consequence of death. So let us not look to the world. Let us not turn to the world because the world is perishing. As Jesus said, he came not to condemn the world because the world is already condemned. That is its nature. But what we seek is grace and love, and that is what we find in Jesus Christ. So let us have zeal, zeal for God, zeal for the Lord. Because if we have a zeal for the things that are good, then we will persevere, and we will win that race. We will be able, Father, to jump through those hurdles in life when the difficulties come, and we will be able to one day be able to see our God as He is. While His Spirit is within us already, one day we will know you, my Lord, as you are, as you have known us, Lord. And that is a wonderful thing that we look forward to. So we ask you, Father, to let us continue, as Paul said, in those things that are excellent and praiseworthy, so that they may be a great reflection of you, that we may go out into this world as we want to this week, and be able to be a great testimony, a testimony of diligence, of what God does to people who turn their lives. And you are the God who turns lives, so work on the people and those that we come across, Lord. For we ask it in your most precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.